Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. to be honest with you, I'm a little bit sad that this is the final week of our series, Closer. Uh, I've been receiving so much personally from it and have just enjoyed sharing it with you. And one of the great parts of it is I have part of my message already in the can every week. I'm going to have to go back to work. Come on, pray for your pastor. Y'all know what I'm saying? I got to go back to full-time pastoring after this. But uh, anyway, uh, it has been such a great time as we are looking at the life of Jesus. If you're new with us, uh, several weeks ago, we started this series and uh, we took a team in the spring to Israel and we went to the locations of significant moments in the life of Jesus. And we took those moments and we're trying to allow the life of Jesus and the reality of scripture. A lot of people struggle with scripture and trying to apply it to their lives. And so we've been trying to make really a moment for us that is not just information, but that it becomes real to us and we can apply it. And, uh, and so it's been a great journey along the way. I want to welcome those watching by video in our 1230 service. Thank you for making room. And also our McKinney campus at Streaming Live and all of you that are online, would you join me in celebrating all those that are watching with us and joining in? On our final week of the Closer series, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. And so the stories of Jesus are recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And so we see all of this life of Jesus. And now we're getting down here toward the end of the chapters. We're getting to the culminating moments. And uh, we're going to look at something really significant uh, this weekend. And so let's do a little rewind because I know I have some of you that are new. So let's jump back just a minute to where we've been with Jesus. We also put all of this in a book and I encourage you maybe to use that book as a tool when people come to know Jesus. Uh, I, a lot of times will tell people to read the book of John. And so you can take our book closer and you could give it to someone as a tool for them to kind of jumpstart their understanding of Jesus. Here's where we started. We started at the the main lake, or they called it the Sea of Galilee, the place where Jesus did a lot of ministry. He called his first disciples and he said to them, follow me. This is very important because what we've been learning in this series is sometimes we, we, we kind of make up a Jesus that, that only does these certain things and we miss some of the sides of Jesus. I love this about him. He said, look, just, just follow well, I want to know where we're going. I want to know what's going to happen. I want to make sure I can ensure that everything's going to be just easy and there's no challenge. He says, look, look, that's not your job. Your job is to follow. So those first disciples, they followed. And then now, centuries later, there are still people just following Jesus along the way. We went to a mountainside. Jesus gave probably his most famous message. And in that, he talked to us about our lives and what we worry about and what we struggle with and he said, I want you in all this to seek me. See, we're the type of people that are looking for things all the time and we're going to go after stuff in life. Jesus says, I wanna be the main thing you seek, seek me. We then went to this place where Jesus did what he did, does a lot and he went to the person on the margins, the person on the fringe who would seem to be the one that everyone would leave out and Jesus is always going for that person and he went to them and we learned something about that interchange with this person that Jesus says to us, trust me. Now I'm gonna tell you, you never outgrow this. 
If you're gonna walk with Jesus and be close to him, you're gonna have multiple opportunities where Jesus just says, trust me, whatever it is, trust me with your money, trust me with your kids, trust me with your future, trust me with your health. So we learned about trusting Jesus. We then went to a famous pool where Jesus performed a miraculous healing. And all of the interchange between the religious people and the person that was healed and the parents, it all ended up where the revelation of Jesus that this person got brought him to a place where he bowed his knee to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Really, see, we gotta worship him also as Lord, the most high thing. And he began to worship him, and so Jesus says that to us along the way. We then went to the place where there's our big barrier, fear. Peter getting out of the boat. We learned about our fears and how Jesus asked us to step out of the boat and walk toward him even when we're afraid. And then we went to this amazing place where it was a real dark place in the culture and Jesus asked this question, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against my church, which is the physical place we were at. This is very important because we're seeing some amazing moments with Jesus. And then last week we went to the apex moment. We went to a garden called Gethsemane which means press, there's this oil press, a group of olive trees on a hillside. And Jesus was being pressed for us. It's very important to note in this moment that I didn't draw out last week in that garden, <laughs> Jesus brings some of his closest disciples and he says to them, can you just pray with me? They did what we do. You, Jesus, hey, you wanna spend some time? You're like, okay, yes, Jesus, I wanna pray. And you're like, Jesus, help me with so-and-so. And Jesus, I, I pray for the kids. They fell asleep. They were sleeping. Jesus is like, can't you guys just for a little while pray with me? After what I talk about this weekend, the Bible says they were devoted to prayer. What changed? Oh, Jesus had it in the garden. Thank, thank goodness he had it because we couldn't do it. But man, it's all about to shift here in terms of roles and responsibilities. He then goes to the cross and makes a payment for us that we could never make. He raises from the dead, and we learned last week that the same power that raised him from the dead, eternal life starts on the day we receive him as our personal Lord and Savior. We have that same power in our every day and for all eternity. It's been such an awesome journey. Why is this week important? Let me tell you why it's important. Because you may ask, man, I felt closer to Jesus. I've sensed a closeness to him, and you're like, wow, how do you stay close to him? How do you actually stay close to him? How do you keep growing when you learn all these different aspects? And man, I'm trying to trust, and I'm following, and, and I've got a revelation of who he is, and so how do, I, how do I stay in step with him, and how do I stay close to him? And the answer to that big question is this. That as you become closer and closer to him and desire to be close to him as a person, it will demand that you stay close to his purpose. If you desire to be close to him as a person, then you have to desire to be close to his purpose and his agenda in the earth. You see, it's very practical. We a lot of times have trouble associating everyday life and Jesus and spiritual things. It's one of the number one challenges people have. It's like, okay, Sunday we sing, we worship, the preachers preach about Jesus, but what about Monday? Okay, well, in everyday life, we are people that desire intentionality and purpose. 
You want at your workplace, you want a sense of purpose. You shouldn't take a job without a job description. It's like, okay, what are we trying to do? And so families have goals. Individuals have purposeful goals. They are, if you really want them to be real, then you should write them down to make them meaningful. So we're all trying to move through life with a sense of intentionality, but a lot of times we're trying to achieve our goals and we leave Jesus's goals to the side. What, what, is, what is his purpose? And the more you begin to think about his purpose, the closer you will get to him as a person because where's he moving toward those purposes? Relationship, connection is actually a byproduct of purpose. You're going to connect on what you center your life around. So, so it's, it's, just, it's just the way it works. I don't know if you've ever been drug into somebody's mission, but um, I, get, I get drug in. My, my wife and I, uh, she, she gets real excited about something that happens this time of year. Um, really excited. And I'm losing track all the time. I'm just, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, is it really about to be Thanksgiving? I mean, is that, is that possible? Okay. What was, all right, this is happening. Christmas is just around the corner. So this time of year, my wife and some of our team and everybody, they start centering. The energy starts building. I start seeing outfits appear in my dining room. There's, there's outfits hanging on the chairs and there's getting coordinations and there's there's shopping trips where we come back with things and then there are like five-hour shopping trips where we don't catch anything. Nonetheless, we keep fishing. Outfits start to appear. They all start to get lined up and I'm starting to wonder what's going on. Well, it is all of the mission and energy behind me getting to you the family Christmas card. It's what it takes and I begin to go through great levels of torment. Shopping, everyone has coordinated outfits. We get to the day of the family photos, which was last weekend. I'm like, what am I wearing? You take care of yourself, brother. Um, great, all right, I just all I have is jeans and sport coats anyway, nothing fancy, okay, I'll just kind of show up. And so we go out into a field, because that's what you do now. You take couches to the park, that's how you do it. And we get chiggers in the field for Jesus. We do this for Jesus. And then we get out there and my son says, let's bring the dog. Let's not. He doesn't cooperate and he's running around and it's been muddy lately. You got the scene? I'm on the threshold of picture hell at this point, okay? This is what I'm going through. A few years ago, we went down to the Las Colinas canals over here, and we were doing family photos. It was chaotic. I've been preaching all weekend. I'm just looking for bluebell and a nap, you know? <laughs> there was a little gondola going down the little canals, a beautiful little young couple, and I'm kind of bored because it takes forever to set the scenes for these photos, and I'm getting bored. And I went over there, I said, hey, what are y'all doing? How y'all doing? And they said, well, we just got engaged. I said, well, let me let you in on something. This is where it ends up. <laughs> This is your future. Brady's like, Jeff, they're excited. They need to know the truth. When you get your card and it says, joy, Merry Christmas. It's all by faith, y'all. It's all by faith. The words on there are by faith. You know what I'm saying? We say those things that are not as though they are. 
In all seriousness, we in life, by what we do, it's why soldiers become great brothers. It's why people in business build great relationships. It's why a husband and a wife, as they raise children or they build a business together or you, 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 you share a purpose, you're going to be close to those people. It's just the way it works. As you share a purpose, you get more connected. And Jesus wanted us to stay with him in connection and in sync. So he has a moment with his disciples and followers where he says, I want to make sure we don't get confused. And I want to make sure you know the purpose. I want you to know the agenda. I want you to know with clarity. And so Jesus goes, you're going to see this shot in a minute. We're going to look at it and unpack it. But on a mountainside there, he gives what's called the Great Commission. Theologians call it the Great Commission. I'm gonna read it in just a minute as you watch the take. But it is literally, I like to think of it this way, commission, the Great Co-mission. What does that mean? It's the mission that we all cooperate together to accomplish. We do it together, we do it together with Jesus and it keeps us close to him and we do it with each other which keeps us close to one another. The great cooperative mission, Jesus brings clarity to it. Then they, they, they understand and Jesus understands that they can't do it by themselves, they need a helper, they need power so he sends them to wait in Jerusalem, they end up in this room and this, this, this video I'm about to show you, I'm standing on top of this room with where Jesus ascended and gave the mission, and we're going to see where they in that place received the power to fulfill the mission. Let's watch it together, and then I want to come back and make it real to our lives. Watch this with me. What happened just below me is possibly, if not the most important event that happened to make us closer to Jesus on a consistent basis. You know, in our journey up till this point, we've been looking at Jesus, his person, he's been with his disciples, he's walked, he's taught, he's healed. He's been the one who's performed the miracles, but now he comes to this moment previous to this and he clearly tells his disciples, he says, I'm gonna leave, but it's better that I do because I want to be with you always. And Jesus's promises to his disciples are still a promise to us. So you see, just to go back for just a moment, up until the moment of Jesus where God comes to dwell with us and be with us, then God only was able to really interact in a personal way with special people, prophets and priests and kings in the Old Testament. But then Jesus comes to show us this personal God, this God that loves us, that wants to be close to us. Jesus would say things like, I don't wanna leave you as an orphan. I wanna be with you. You're gonna do greater things than I did while I was here on earth. Amazing things. Well, what happened right here below us is what makes that possible on a consistent basis. You see, below me, I'm standing on the roof of the upper room. 
You say the upper room, where, where does that come from? Well, it, it comes from a moment where after Jesus, he, he does pay that final price for you and I, our sins. He dies on the cross, he sheds his blood. He then is resurrected and as before that moment that he was resurrected and he had died, you see there's this, this moment where everything is going on, where there's a lot of fear and then it, it begins to be news that he, that he did raise from the dead. And so the city is literally pulsating. You've got the religious conversation. You've got all of these things happening. I've spent several days here and, and just culturally, I don't know how much it's changed, but I will tell you just if you've never spent time in the Middle East, it's amazing how at certain seasons with different religious cultures and atmospheres that, that literally everything can kind of pulsate with attention. I, I believe that after the news got out that Jesus had rose from the dead and all the tension of his death, and I believe when I think about the disciples, they, they started remembering those words of Jesus and we know because of the Roman persecution and then the religious leaders' ideas and their perception of what these guys were doing that, that they were afraid. But Jesus told them in Acts 1, we know the story of what Jesus had said to them. He said, look, I don't want you to go on into the mission that I've called you to. I want you to go and wait. I want you to wait for power. And so they came back into this upper room where they gathered and the Bible says, in Acts 2, they were in one mind and one accord. I love that, because God's power always shows up in atmospheres where there's one mind, one accord, ordinary, afraid disciples. And the Bible says that the, the power of God through the person, remember this, the person of the Holy Spirit comes down, it, it comes down like fire, it says it's like fire, they're just describing this idea of cloven, fire coming and then it says they began to speak with other tongues and the Bible then goes on to say as a result of this moment Peter steps up and preaches he steps out of the atmosphere of this upper room where the power of God comes by the way that was prophesied in Joel that this power would come and then if, then, then the Bible says in Acts 2 that that promise is for you and your children and all who are far off but Peter steps up out of that the same one that was scared, that was scared of a servant girl, now has power to preach. He preaches and thousands are saved. And it's an amazing, amazing moment that the person of Jesus Christ and now the person of the Holy Spirit, God himself, now comes and empowers these ordinary people. And so it's amazing to know the person of Jesus, but if you say, how do I stay close to Jesus? then you not only have to know the person of Jesus and thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit, but I wanna take us back for just a minute as we're standing here and I wanna give you the context. If you were here, you would understand it better. But being close to the person of Jesus on a consistent basis and the need for the power of the Holy Spirit is tied to his purpose. It's tied to his purpose and his mission. And so I would like us to look in the Bible at Matthew 28 you look at Matthew 28 and you see a very powerful set of scriptures in verses 18 through 20. Now these verses of scripture took place right behind me. The Mount of Olives is where Jesus, after resurrecting, he actually ascends into heaven. 
And before they're empowered with the Holy Spirit, they watch Jesus and here's what he says to them in the moment where he goes, I'm going away. I wanna make sure you understand why you need this power of the Holy Spirit. Why you're gonna need the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. Why even Paul says you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the reason you're gonna need that is I have a purpose in the earth. I have a mission in the earth. And thank God that we can be close to the person of Jesus, not on the basis of our merit or our task or our responsibilities or even keeping his mission. But I wanna tell you, if you wanna consistently experience the power and the presence of Jesus, you need to stay tied to his purpose. Look what it says here, and we're gonna look at this, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it gives us marching orders. He says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Now remember, they've experienced all of the turmoil and the events and maybe the, the feelings they had and the loss of Jesus. But right here, he says, look, don't be afraid at what's happening in the governmental system or the religious system. All authority has been given to me. And he says this to them, therefore go. Now, now don't just go, because if you're following me, you're going, but he says in your going, make disciples of all nations. Have this intentional on-purpose strategy to develop and build up and equip other people to live out this mission, carry it on. It says, as you're making disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So it's not just about the information of his commands, because see, they've been living with him and they've caught his spirit, his heart for people. They've understood not just the rules, like your parents might say, just you know, do as I say, or you, you ask a question, why? And they say, because I said so. No, he's lived with them and he showed them how to live the principles. It's more than information. They've got an impartation of his life. And here is the power of what will happen right below me, right here in the upper room, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Every time I talk to someone about, hey, God has a purpose for you, a mission, and really all of our purpose is to make disciples, to baptize them, to train them, to equip them, to live a life that imparts this to other people, and every one of us feel inadequate, and Jesus addresses our inadequacy and says, I'm gonna be with you, and I'm going to be with you through the power of the person of the Holy Spirit, so power fuels his purpose in our lives. Jesus, he makes it real clear. He makes it real clear right there in Matthew 28, but really if you honestly look at his story and you look at the gospels, every single gospel comes back to this point. It's the moment, the first of the book of Acts brings us to this point. So I, I realized for the last seven weeks, it's like, man, it's exciting to kind of see what all Jesus has been doing and then our response to the things Jesus is doing and yet it's a transition when now Jesus says, I have something for you to do. I have a part for you to play in this and 
I, I really believe this, that what I'm about to share with you just for a few minutes as we break this down and make it practical, I, I really believe this, at the intersection of your level of clarity about what I'm talking about can bring so much meaning to your life. It can bring so much meaning to your work life, to your parenting, to your marriage, to your relationships. And, and I believe if Jesus is so clear, I don't even know that it's totally possible to be completely fulfilled unless we, with absolute clarity, join him in what he says is so significant. That when we join what he says is so significant, we find significance and we find fulfillment in our lives. And so as we look at this, it's so clear, and I have to tell you, in my own life, I can get off, off track a little bit. I, I'm very passionate about this concept, this mission of Jesus. I'm very passionate about the practicality of him saying, look, I know you're going to be going. I really want you to, to just grapple with the reality of how to make a disciple. We had a business guy in one of our groups this week say, on my bucket list, after going through his group with some of the other guys, on my bucket list make a disciple. I think that's something good to put up in your bucket list. Because Jesus said it's on his bucket list. And so I believe that as we look at it, I can get a little off track, I can get a little distracted, but I believe that as we join Jesus in it with that level of clarity, then so much begins to come into full view. I find, though, again, we get distracted. We get a little off course. We get into all kinds of spiritual activity and spiritual things. Nothing wrong with spiritual things just as long as they're leading to Jesus' ultimate target. And so there's a lot Jesus works through and works in, but all of which, if it is according to his desires, should be rolling up and leading toward this idea of people that begin to know how to follow, how to apply, don't just have knowledge of things, they know how to apply the things into their everyday life. When I first moved here to Keller 16 years ago, I started coaching ball teams and just with just making relationships in the community. I then had my now oldest who's in college, I think she was probably five years old and she said, I wanna play soccer. And so we took her and signed up and KYA here in Keller and went over there and signed up, you know, and I got out there and there were all these little soccer players. There weren't many coaches. By the way, parenting, coaching, managing, leading, mothering, fathering, it's all discipling. It's all the same thing. Don't get hung up on the word. So, so, so they didn't have many coaches. Kind of like the same problem we have in the kingdom of God. They have lots of players, but we need more coaches. And so I said, well, you know, okay, I'll take a shot at it. I'm embarrassed to say, though, that I was feeling a little insecure because I grew up in Northeast Texas, and when we say the word football, we're talking about something that's like pigskin with laces on it, you know? It's not a round ball, you know what I mean? And so... I, I, and I, I don't know the rules really, I don't. I got out there, you know, and I'm like, girls, uh, here, and they said, well, the, the people are off sides. I'm like, where's the line of scrimmage? <laughs> and then, <laughs> then I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do with this because this was new to me. Parents were emailing me about the snacks. Coach, you gotta get more involved in the snacks. And, and there's like, the, I thought, you know, there's an end of game snack. And then they were like, no, well, we need halftime snacks too. 
And so there was all this organic snacks, and then I just kind of, I just felt at a loss because I was like, we didn't get snacks, you know? There was like a water hose, had algae in it, it was behind a building somewhere. We drank out of that. We ate salt tablets, that's what we did. We didn't get organic snacks, we didn't get a little chair with a roof on it, a little cup, and pigtails, it wasn't like that. And I realized that being successful at five-year-old girls' soccer really is, is, is just kind of keeping them on the field. Because they like the picture, they like the snacks, they like this, and they just get pigtails and they just buzz around. You know, they just, they'll just buzz over into the stands, off the field, on somebody else's field. They'll kick one for the other team. They'll be like, boom, I got you one. You like it? (laughs) We're trying to dominate here, girls. Come on. And it's amazing to me. I always go back to this because it really did. Something really clicked in me and I thought, God just speaks to me through real life a lot of times. And here's what I learned. Like, it's amazing when a girl comes to that place, these little, when they start realizing, oh, it's about kicking it in the net. It's amazing when they kick one in the net. And it's the same way in the kingdom of God. A lot of times when you don't know that target, when you don't even know where to start with that target, what'll happen is you'll buzz around, you'll never kick one in the net. And here's the thing that I always get frustrated by. Whatever you fail at long enough, you will eventually quit. If you don't even know the objective of the game, you don't even know what we're trying to do, then eventually you feel unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and you're like, I, I've been to every event. I've studied every Bible study. I've been to every kind of thing. What are we actually trying to accomplish, and how do I participate in it? And it really gave me a little picture of that in that moment. I want to give you this idea if you want to stay close to Jesus. You stay close to Jesus when you prioritize and participate in his mission. If you will prioritize and participate in his mission, you will become in a place where you're joining him in what he's doing in the earth. You're like, is this complicated, Jeff? No, here's what Jesus was saying to them. Let's not overcomplicate this with big spiritual words. Jesus was saying, I did this for you, now you go do it, guys, for somebody else. Now go, come on, now you go give away what you've been given. I'm so, we're all a, by the way, we're all a product of the investment of other people in our lives. We're all a product of people that were willing to take of their time what they've learned and give it to us. I'm so thankful that in my church, why do I have a heart for young people to be able to get in the game? One, because when they get in the game, their faith becomes real. Everywhere I go today and every article is like, where are all the young people? Why do they leave God in college? Why do they not? Let me tell you why. Because they can't hold on just to information. We think if they just knew what was right, they would do it. No, what's right has to become part of how they live. And so I'm so thankful that I, in my early days at 16 years old, had a pastor who would take me in his home on Wednesday nights. He'd bring me there. I don't even remember what we studied. It wasn't about the information. I was watching him. I was watching how his wife and they got these kids and people running and he was there and, he, and, it, and it was an impartation of his life. He let me preach at 16. I, I had an impartation of that in my life. You know what? And all of us in many areas have had people pour in other impartations and things that help us prioritize whatever they were passionate about. Same principle. Just in the kingdom of God, it transfers into what Jesus is also asking us to do. In my early 20s, I read a book by Robert Coleman. The words leaped off the page. They jumped into my spirit. 
the Great Commission, with my eyeballs that I just read to you, I read it, it burned in my heart, it burned. Jesus, but that's what you say is the mission. I'm not gonna create my own mission. I wanna be about what your mission is. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not asking everybody to go into full-time ministry. But I'm gonna tell you, it burned on my heart. I read words and they're like, it's slow, it's tedious, it's relatively unnoticed, but in its end is glorious. Are you going to live for the momentary applause of popular recognition or the investment of your life in a few chosen people that will outlive you and carry on the mission? Saddest thing in my life, I thought, would be what if I preach, preach great sermons that they just have to replay for people to hear great sermons? What about giving people the application to the sermon and putting it in their life so that they can actually change the world? I decided I'm not just gonna be a preacher. I'm a Christian too. I'm gonna be a disciple maker. He changed my heart with that. That's not just me. He can do that for you. You're like, okay, pastor, like, okay, how do I get an impartation? Because I really believe it's almost... Like the word of God is a seed. If this seed gets in you and that clarity and focus comes, it will adjust even so many things in your life along the way. It'll change your, even your picture and your paradigm of what is success and what is the target and what is the win. How do we really join Jesus in what he's doing? Number one, we have to prioritize the mission. And I know I keep coming back to this because I know I have to inspire you because it's like, man, this is not something that is on the front and center of our mindsets. In fact, I, I would say this. You know, in, in recent years, there's, there's, even, there's more teaching and, uh, about tough topics, you know? We're, we're talking more about sexuality in the church, and we need to for young people coming behind us. We're talking more about, like, tithing, which is a tough topic for a pastor to talk about. And I still believe there's lots of people need to know God's perspective on some of these tough topics. But I would surmise to say, as a pastor, there's more people know what the definition of tithing is than there are people who even know what it would mean to make a disciple. I know lost people that know that tithing is in the Bible. But I know a lot of Christians who wouldn't even know where to start when it comes to becoming a disciple maker. So I believe the priority has fallen down the list. And I wanna say I thank God, for this church and all you that lead small groups and help people, I'm trying to reinforce a value that is a value that we have, that we started with and we're continuing with. But we have to prioritize it. We live in a customized world. See, when I was a kid, you didn't have a, a playlist. You didn't customize your playlist. You listened to whatever was on the radio. <laughs> you know, you, there was three channels. And then my dad, I'll never forget when he put that coat hanger on there so we could get some other UHF or something. He's like, what are you doing, Dad? I'm putting this coat hanger. I'm not paying $5 for one of those things. I'm going to put this coat hanger on here. Y'all with me? Xena TV, flip it. It would get dust in there and a picture. Three channels. If, if Dad was watching 60 Minutes, guess what you watched? 60 Minutes. There was no customized iPad of your favorite cartoons. You know when you watch cartoons? Saturday morning, that's the only time they came on. In our world today, if we don't like the narrative, if we don't like what someone's saying, we customize our friends to build a group of people who say what we want. We customize our world to personalize it, and I'm not necessarily saying there's anything wrong with technology or a customized playlist. What I am saying is this, you can't customize this. You can't go, well, I'll have a little bit of that. No, I don't want any of that. No, I want some of this. I'm gonna kind of make it play the songs that I like. Jesus said, 
this is the target. This is what I'm calling you to do. This is what I'm asking you to put up top. This is what I'm asking you and how I'm asking you to live. You're like, Jeff, okay, make a disciple. If I did prioritize it, like, is that like challenging? Do you have to go to seminary? Do you have to, what, what does that look like? Well, it's simply this. Discipleship is one Christ follower helping another person take their next step in God. It's really that simple. In fact, did you know you even are helping people that are before they become a follower of Christ take steps? You can help them before they accept Christ and then after they accept Christ, all of us are taking our next step. And so you just offer to somebody else wherever you're at in your journey. So, so you just, if, if this is your first time in church, this is your first message, you're like, okay, wait, I heard we follow Jesus, we trust him, he loves us, he died for us, and then he's called us to join him in his purpose. So now you could just take that and give it to somebody else. You're like, I feel inadequate, join the crowd. We all feel inadequate. You're like, I, I, what will I say? Well, the, the Holy Spirit will help you, right? I feel inadequate, I, I feel like I need some more tools, I, I feel like I'm messed up. I've said this for years. Some of will say, well look, I'm messed up, man, I'm struggling. Find somebody more messed up than you. And it'll help you. And guess what else? When you start giving to others, I meet so many people that go, I wish I could know the Bible. Man, I wanna stay close to Jesus like in this series. It's like, man, isn't that cool? We're in Israel on top of roofs and stuff. Here's my theory. The information you use, you get close to. You, if you're using it, I jokingly say if I told you you were preaching next week, you would read your Bible. You'd be like, you dust it off. Jesus of Nazareth, give me some word, you know? I said that one time in a sermon and a guy emailed and said, I'm ready. I said, it was a joke, it was a joke. Guess what you are preaching this week? You're preaching to your kids. You're preaching to your grandkids. You're preaching to whatever team you're on. You're preaching to wherever you're on a play date. You're preaching to people around you. You're proclaiming the message of Christ. And when you have a desire to be close to his mission and you're there seeing yourself as a representative of him, it puts you in contact with the information because it's not stale information. It's alive. It's living. It's something you're using every single day. Here's the second thing though, you gotta participate in it. You gotta participate in it. You, you gotta decide, you know what, whatever this looks like, I'm participating in, in the mission of Christ. Here, here's something I find a lot of people are always asking, what's next? What's next? What's the next thing in my life? And, and there's, a, there's a very uh, important part to hear the Holy Spirit on unique steps for you. Can I, can I give you, if Jesus is saying this is a priority, maybe a little different filter if you look at the whole life of Jesus? Instead of always asking what's next, maybe start asking who's next? Who's next? Because I find the people in my life that, man, and in my, in my own life, yes, we're sorting out the steps in God, but when you settle the who's next, it's amazing how much easier the what's next comes. And so you begin to live the way Jesus lives and you begin to see what Jesus sees and he would just join him in this journey along the way by participating. Look at 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2.2. 2. Look with me at this verse. And the things you, he's talking to Timothy who's like a son who he poured his life into him. You have heard from me, that's Paul, say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people, look at that, reliable people who will also be qualified to teach 
others. A four-generational transfer of discipling and pouring into the life of others. Let me make this real, real practical. It's, it's a lens, it's a view, it's a clarifying, it's a seed of the word of God that gets in you to say, I appreciate spiritual things and anything moving toward the target, but you begin to say, I'm gonna make a disciple. I'm gonna help someone else take their next step. How scary that is or how intimidating that is, I, I just, I keep stepping toward it. I keep moving toward it. It's, it's something that Jesus says is important. I'm gonna help someone around me take their next step. I'm gonna live this way and, and you just begin to move toward it. It's why here at Milestone, that's, that's why we do what we do the way we do. It's why we have children that we see as a part of the kingdom of God, not just eating pizza in the back. It's why we have children lead children. It's why we have children lead worship. It's why we have children lead small groups. It's why we ask seventh graders to lead fifth and sixth graders. I gave a book on adding value and serving people to, to one of our, our young leaders. He said, I, I don't really read. Hey, you read that book? No, I don't really read. He started leading in fifth and sixth grade. He came and said, where's that book you were talking about? <laughs> Here's why sometimes it's important now. You, you don't want the solution to problems you don't have. But when you're on mission with Jesus, you got a lot of problems. So it's like, well, well, where's the answers now? See how it becomes real? Fifth and sixth, no, oh, oh, I'm gonna lead these guys. I can't even get them to stop acting a fool. I can't get them under control. They're eating the paint off the walls. But that mission makes you go, okay, I'm Jesus, I need your help. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to them? You follow me? Seventh and eighth graders, high school students leading younger people because they're in the game. They're a participant. It's application. I hear people all the time say, I just want to go deep, deep in the word. We got to get on the meat. The Bible says, Jesus says, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Get some of that depth. Get in there with some fifth and sixth graders and you'll get deep on your knees. <laughs> it's why we have young adults leading. It's why, by the way, young parents in here, can I say something to you as your pastor? And we have a heart for parents. We help parents. I mean, we, we have a teaching series on parenting. Don't think, get a little mindset shift. Don't just parent your children. Disciple your children. Disciple them. Disciple them in how to follow Christ. Coach them along the way. Help them. Walk along the road. Help them understand the real deal. Don't just expect, well, they're learning the Bible. Are they applying the Bible? Disciple them. We have people who go, well, I'm not in that phase. Empty nesters, that's what I love. We're all on this mission. Remember, we're all doing it as we go. We're all a part of it. We're all joining in. Empty nesters. You know the coolest thing about the kingdom of God? You're learning with your children a lot of times, or maybe you don't have children, but a lot of times you're learning with your children. Talk about shared purpose, empty nesters. I see them come in, I talk to them all the time, come in our church and they go, I just, I just, I'm looking for purpose. I've played enough golf, I've gone on enough vacations. I've, what do I do? I say, the kingdom of God needs you to make disciples. You, you know, you made some mistakes with your kid. You're like, well, I blew it there, messed up there. Here's the good news. Start over with a disciple. You know what I'm saying? You got a new shot. 
I wish I wouldn't have handled that that way. Well, look, I got a new shot with these. That's the cool thing about the kingdom. You can mess a few groups up and just kind of get better. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. Just, you, know, you just kind of keep moving forward. We're all in this. If you were to see your team at work more as a discipleship opportunity than just a management opportunity, let me promise you, you'll start getting promoted. How are you intersecting what you do every day with Jesus' agenda? When you bring those two together, you get out of bed with a different step. And you also begin to have a greater need for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. These disciples, they were at Pentecost. And then in Acts 4, they needed it. And Paul's saying we need it every day to continually fulfill us. Fill us. Why? Because we need that continual guiding, that comforting, that advocate to help us in this mission that he's called us to. Intimacy is a byproduct of shared purpose. If you become close to Jesus's mission, you'll become closer and closer to his person. It'll put you in a place where you're continually walking in a greater relationship with him. Bow your heads with me. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to know he wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you. This whole series, this whole series has been about the desire that Jesus has to have a relationship with you and walk with you. If you just simply say, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. I wanna walk with you. I want you to be my Jesus. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. He'll come in, he'll save you. He'll become your Lord and Savior. If you made that decision in this journey or even this weekend, we're gonna ask you to come forward, grab the hand of someone, fill out a card, come to Discovery 101. Let us know so we can help you start learning how to follow. Second of all, Lord, we pray this weekend and in this series now, you would now impress on our hearts and impart to us, Jesus, a passion, a clarity, and a desire to live out your mission in the earth. Not out of obligation, not out of us trying to prove something to you. We love you, Jesus, so we wanna love what you love. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.